Heavenly Father, God, I, I, I'm a loss for words about your greatness. And I just ask that you move me out of the way and that you would speak by your spirit the things that you want to say and how you want to say them. I ask that you open up our minds and our spirit and our heart to understand what the spirit of the living God would say unto us. Reveal your word, Lord God, teacher. You're the Holy Spirit. You are the teacher of the word of God. You inspired it long ago. And Lord God, I just ask that you teach us, that you lead us, and that your spirit would would teach us to in such a manner that Jesus Christ would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to begin in John chapter 4, verse 23. I take that back. Um, it's, it's Psalms 100, verse 3. Realize that the Lord alone is God. The Lord alone is God. There is no other God but God in heaven alone. The Lord is God. It is he that has made us. He has made every single person that exists on the planet. And we belong to the Lord. We are his. And we are his people. And we are the sheep that is in his care. We are in the Lord's care. We are the Lord's people. And it's he that has made us. Isaiah verse, Isaiah chapter 3, uh, 43, 6 through 7 says, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He says, I will say to the north, give them up. I will say to the south, do not keep them. Bring my sons from far away. And bring my daughters from the ends of the earth. Bring everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and I made. We were created, the earth was created for the glory of the living God. It is for that purpose that we exist And that we were created. And he formed us. In our mother's womb. He called us by name. He's given you your individuality. And your personality. And he's saying in this verse. He's saying to the north. 
He's saying to the city of Juno, he's saying, give up my sons. He's saying to the captives, those who are bound in addiction, those who are bound in trouble and in sin, he's saying to the enemy, you will give them up. He's saying unto our daughters, the daughters of Juno, the daughters of Alaska, the daughters of the world, He's saying to them, from the ends of the earth, give them up. And he's saying, bring them. Bring them into the kingdom. Everyone who is called by my name and understand and realize that you were created for my glory and I formed you and I made you. You will never and people will never understand what that groaning is inside of them until they meet the true and the living God and they realize that they were created for him and he for them and you will when you find God when they find him they will find what they are searching for it is not found it is not found in anything satisfaction in in your soul is will never be satisfied until you meet the reason that you were here on the earth, and that is for the pleasure of the living God. Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter five, verse six. This is the Lord speaking through Solomon, and it's it's a poetic. It's a poetic scripture. And the Lord is, is um, play, in the role of, of a wife in this passage of scripture. And he says, I opened the door for my love my beloved I open the door this is the Lord speaking but he had left and he was gone and my heart sank there's a different translation but just follow along My heart sank because he had left. I looked for him, but I did not find him. And I called out to him, but he did not answer. The Lord says unto unto us, O church, as a church, and the church of Juno, and the church of the living God. He's saying to our generation, as a people, he's saying, listen, as a wife, if you can picture a wife who is, she opens the door to look for her husband who she loves, but the husband had left. And the Lord says, my heart Sank, her heart sank because he had, he had left. And then she began to look around. She looked in the, 
in the pews, she looked out in the world. But he could not find his beloved. She could not find her husband. So her heart began to break. I tell you today, church, that that the Lord's heart is breaking for his people and for his church because he cannot find them. He looks for them and he longs for them. But we have allowed ourselves, and I speak of myself and I, uh, when I speak of these things, but the, the, we're inundated with distractions. We're inundated with social media. The enemy right now is pouring, pouring in, and he's, and he's taking away what the Lord values most of all, and that is you and your affection for him. As this wife longs for her husband, the Lord longs for you and for your heart and for your affection. And many times, many, many times, we are distracted. We are missing when he comes to seek for us many, many times. And the challenge that the Lord has has laid upon my heart is that we would return to the Lord, not just with formality, not just out of obligation, but our heart will begin to feel the warmth of his heart again. And it is then when we will find what we're looking for. It is then that we will be united with our purpose. It will be then that the glory of God will return to his church. He will not. He is a jealous, jealous God. He will not uh, allow anything to, to get in between you and him. He will be jealous for you. and He will fight for you. And he will come after you. As we, as we will continue uh, in Acts 17, 27. I'm out of a new, uh, in the New Living Translation. He says that his purpose in creating us, his purpose for creating the world, every person on the world, whether it's Korea, whether it's Iran, it's Iraq, whether it's United States or Canada or any country or any land, whether it be any, any continent or land you can think of, it is for this reason. He had placed the nations on the earth for one reason, that they would seek after God and that perhaps they could feel their way towards him and that they would find him. The whole world, he's, he put something inside of them called eternity and he put it in there and he, and he put it in there so that perhaps that they would begin to search their own soul, that they begin to say something inside of me. I can't find it in, 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 in relationships. I can't Find it in money. I cannot 
find it in fame. I cannot find it in success. But I tell you, if you would come to the living God, you would find exactly what you're missing in this life. Glory be to God. In the end of that scripture, he says, though he is not far from any one of us, he is not far from you. He is right here, right now. He is not in this building. He is with you wherever you go, wherever you are. God knows In this life, we face so many challenges. But in your challenges, in your trials, in your difficulties, he is right there. He is right there. He is not far from you. The whisper of his name, Lord, I need your help. If you fail, Lord, I failed you. I am sorry I have wounded your heart. And he immediately, recognizing that you recognize your fault, will forgive you that moment. There is forgiveness with God. And in that scripture, when he says that he put, uh, in Acts 17, 27, he said that, He put the nations there to seek after him, that they would perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. And though he's not far from us, John John 4.23 teaches us. Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well in this this passage, but it it cooperates and goes along along with the the, uh, teaching here. It says, the hour is coming. And now is. Now is. When the true worshipers would worship God in spirit and in truth. This last part of scripture is what I'm directing towards. The Father is seeking. God is seeking. Just like the other scripture, that people would come and they would realize that there's something inside of them. God is seeking us to connect with him, to worship him, to bless him, to return to him. We are his beloved church his blood-bought church, that we would connect with him and that we would bless him. It's something he put on my heart. When he breathed life into you, it is though he had taken part of his heart and he placed it inside of you. There is a room. This is something, this is something that he spoke to me. If you can imagine the heart of God, so, so eternity and 
your mind can't comprehend, so don't even try. It's by faith we understand. In the heart of God, there's a room in God's heart. That room in God's heart, he had taken part of his heart when he, when he, when he saved you, and he put part of himself inside of you. And on that door, in his heart, has your name on that door. Only you. Only you can enter into that room in God's heart. And only you, as the Father seeks those who worship, only you can enter into God's heart. He gave you an individuality. He gave you a personality, your fingerprints, your DNA. You are unique in that. And only you can enter into God's heart, into that room. I'm going to pick on Tom. That says, Tom Sheridan. And inside of that room is your place with God. It is your only, it is, you're the only one that can get inside of that, in that room with God. And he, he waits and he seeks for you to come inside of that room and to, and to bow down before him and to worship him and to adore him and to bless him and to, and to experience the, the unique experience of being in fellowship with the almighty God. He seeks after his beloved. And I tell you, this, this uh, our, our current situation, there are many, including myself, the enemy comes with distractions. He comes with problems. He comes with trials. And the whole time, the Lord is saying, will you come to me? I'm seeking for you to come. I tell you that as you come into the Lord's presence, as you come into the fellowship of God, as you enter into the heart of God, and as you begin to connect with him, and his love and his power begins to bless you, and that relationship with him begins to increase, and your heart becomes blessed with his heart, I promise you God will solve your problems. He will open up the Red Sea. He will heal your body, your mind, and your soul. He will fix your relationships. He will break chains. There is nothing, there is no purpose that can be withheld from an almighty God. There is nothing that can stand in your way. You will see the miracles. You will see the soul saved. But before God would do that, he wants to know, will you, will you you bring your heart to his heart? Will you be in love with him? Will you allow him to be number one in your life? That is what he's requiring of us. If we want to see the move of God, God wants to see, will you move into his heart? Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Glory be to God. He's after our hearts. So many times I'm guilty of it. Go, we go right into prayer. Lord, I need this, 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 and this. you would give him our laundry list. He's saying, hey, hey I, what about me? What about me? I created you to be in a relationship with me. 
I'm going to go into that. The demonstration. God demonstrated. God demonstrates his love towards us. Isaiah 65, 2. He says, I stretch out my hands all day long. To a rebellious people who walk not in the way that is good and they follow their own, their own thoughts. All day long, he calls to society. Look at the news. Look at the troubled families. Like Tom said, I, I am in, in law enforcement. I see some of the worst case scenarios. I investigate some of the worst things that happen. And I can tell you this. God is stretching his hands out all day long. His heart with your name on it also has their name on it. And his heart longs for people and souls And my question, that part of God's heart with your name on it, have you left it empty? Have you left it where God's hurting for your fellowship, for your worship? I can tell you, this week I've been challenged with this word. It's hard to get into God's heart and worship him. The enemy will fight you because he knows that you're such a, a value to God, such a blessing to him. His love for you, your, your mind can't comprehend. But when you get there, I promise you, in his presence is the fullness of joy. In his presence is the fullness of joy. And so I, I said, okay, fine. I, get, I talk to God sometimes. It's, it's nice to be able to communicate with him in a way that he understands, even though he is a sovereign ruler of the, of the planet. But he is also, like he told Abraham, your friend. And you say, well, look, I don't qualify, I'm unworthy. Let me tell you something. One of the names of Jesus Christ is a friend of sinners. You're a sinner, then you qualify to be a friend of Jesus. He'll work on you. He won't quit on you. Just keep coming to him. I don't care, you come to him like you are, and he will work with you. And I'll prove it to you here in a minute. But first, I want to give you this uh, this challenge. And he was speaking to me about the way that I use my time. My time, I have five sons and the best wife that I say on the planet is my wife. She puts up with me and these, she's the only woman in the house. God, pray for her. Pray for her. So 
I said, Lord, give me a practical application. He said, he challenged me. I said, give me 15 minutes. Fifth, where's my boys at? I give them a hard time. They play video games. 15 minutes sometimes I may be checking my email or I may, uh, you know, do something like watch some crime show or something. You would think I would have enough of it, but I guess I watch it anyway. He said, give me 15 minutes. So the challenge is this. Some some, 15, some people get on their, their cell phones for 15, longer than 15 minutes. And I want to challenge you, do, what you, do whatever. Watch your Netflix, watch your Amazon. Do whatever it is that you, you do for entertainment. And most, most people do it for an hour, sometimes more. Sometimes people even been known to binge watch certain things. But God spoke to me, he said, 15 minutes of Doing your Instagram or whatever you do or your Facebook, 15 minutes. Now, after that 15 minutes, I want to know if you're better than you were prior to that 15 minutes. Are you a better person? Are you better blessed? Have you, when you turn the news on for 15 minutes, how do you feel after that? Are you in a better condition mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and relationship-wise. In those 15 minutes, have you become a better, happier, more blessed person? In comparison, that if you would give me 15 minutes of devotional reading and of prayer and of worship or fellowship with another believer, talking about the things of God, you give me 15 minutes, and I will, I will bet, I will put... Uh, all anything you want to lay on the line that after those 15 minutes in comparison to, to whatever you're doing that it will not pair in comparison those 15 minutes with God you will invest into your spirit you will be more equipped to, re- to be able to face this evil and wicked generation and that is what the challenge is take that 15 minutes Put it into the word of God and then, and then compare it to the 15 minutes that you use for whatever social media app. And then I want you to tell me after, come to me next Sunday or whenever and say, and I want to know which one, which one benefited you more. I know it's a dumb question, but do you see how easy that is? Do you see how easy that is? Just 15 minutes. The enemy of your soul will try to distract you from the word of God and from the presence of God. You will walk away just giving God 15 minutes to say, Lord, I just want to come into your presence. I want to come into that room in your heart and say, Lord, I'm just here to thank you. I'm just here to thank you. Lord, I remember when, when you did this for me. I remember when no one else would, was able to help me, but you helped me. Lord, I remember when I was supposed to die. I remember when, I, when, when this situation, I remember when my family member wasn't saved. Lord, I remember, and as you begin to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God, then this attitude of worship will come upon you. His spirit will come upon you, and you will be fellowshipping with the living God. And you will walk out of that 15 minutes.
hands. Blessed, happy, smiling, full of the Spirit, and you will be what God has called you to be. Or you can go on Facebook and see how many likes you got for your last post. See how foolish that is? But that is how the enemy is distracting us from being what we should be in the presence of an almighty God. That's just a 15-minute challenge that I want to throw out there. Um, Take me up on it. I want to hear the results. I can tell you I did it this week and every single time. I laughed afterwards. I laughed. I said, how stupid. I'm a little hard on myself, but I, you know, how how, how stupid. And then I stopped. Then I even almost stopped. I started to spend more time with the Lord because I liked it better. It's just the way that he created us. Isaiah 119 says, come now. Come on now, he says. Let us reason. Now, this is a sovereign ruler of the universe who has the answer to nobody. He inhabits eternity. He's the king of glory. And he says, hey, let's have coffee. Let's reason. Let's find out what it is that's keeping you from me. Let's reason together. He said, is is it your sins? Do you have a guilt complex? Do you have a guilty conscience because of some of the things that you've done against me? Let's sit down and talk about these things. He says, I don't care that your sins are red as scarlet, darkest of sins. He says, I will make them white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, I'll make them white like wool. God... has made a way for any person, no matter how many mistakes they've made, to enter into his heart. Any person. Your sins could be so bad that they stain your soul and your conscience red like crimson, guilty as sin. And he still desires fellowship with you, desiring of you, wanting you to come and spend time in his presence. So sin can't stop you. Stubbornness can't stop you. Nothing can stop you. Because this is why John 3.16, we ought to, uh, when I was a kid, uh, we use, this is a memory verse in, in Sunday school. For God so loved the world. God is not like us, and I'm grateful. 
He's, he looks at this world with all its corruption, with all of the evil, and he sees past it, and he sees your relatives and your friends and all of those that souls out there that don't know him. And he saw you before. You weren't always this saint. I knew I wasn't. <laughs> you weren't always this, man, this person, this man, this woman worshiping God. But God saw you in your sin. He saw me in our sin. He sees the world. He loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that if anyone would believe in him, they would not have to perish into a literal burning hell. They don't even have to perish on this earth because the wages of sin is death. He says, I made a way because I love the world. I love the world. Some of the people out there that are, that are doing things that are wrong, and they are wrong, and they will pay for that because sin has consequences. But he says, even though they have sinned, I love them and I'm willing to forgive them. I love the whole world, and I sent my son to die on Calvary's cross so that they can have a relationship with me. As you see the theme of this sermon, is God from the beginning has been reaching out to a people all day long. He is reaching out to you all day long to simply give people his eternal and everlasting love. He loves the world. He loves the world. And he loves you. And desires you to be intimate and deeply in love with him. Away with the formality and the obligation. He just wants to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. He wants to hear about your day. David said, I even pour out my complaints. You probably do better to pour out your complaints to God than, uh, than all your, your friends out there. Because they're just going to gossip about you anyway. <laughs> Verse 17. For God did not sin. I love that these verses are together. God did not send his son into this world to condemn it. He didn't come to condemn people. There's a lot of people out there condemning people. But I tell you, God did not come to condemn people. But he came to save the world through his son, Christ Jesus. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. And this is this, if we can get, if we can get this in our spirit. Oh God, that you would help us to get this in our spirit that we may share this message with our families, with ourselves, 
and with the world at large. There are believers that are struggling day in and day out, myself included. And we call it, uh, the, the, one of the phrases of it is called uh, white knuckling, like wh when you're trying something so hard or you're grabbing the steering wheel so hard, you squeeze it so hard that your, your knuckles turn white because you're trying to live for God. And it ain't working, and you're trying and failing and trying and failing, and you're, u and you're using every ounce of your will to try to, to overcome sin, or, you, or you're, you're trying so very hard to be a better Christian, and you're failing, and you're feeling condemned. And I'm telling you right now, if you would, if you would hear this word that the Lord has, God will speak to you, and he will teach you how to get to victory in your life. In your life, this is it, and it's it's also this this is, he speaks this in Isaiah, he speaks this in Ezekiel, he speaks this in Hebrews in the eighth chapter. If you want to study it, he speaks this in Romans chapter eight. He speaks this throughout throughout uh, the entire Bible that there is a difference between you. In your own strength, trying to please God. And then God working in and through you to please himself. Big difference. And in this passage of scripture, he says, verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and I will make you clean. Instead of unclean. Notice the I will. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and make you clean. Instead of you trying to clean up your life yourself, he said, I will put the sprinkling and the cleaning in your life. I will cleanse your conscience. I will wash you from your failures. I will, he says. Next, then I will cleanse you from all of your idols. This one says, from all of your filthiness and from all your idols. Even better. An idol. Anything that pulls you away from God is an idol. Anything in your life that hinders your walk with God, I don't care what it is. If it pulls your affection away from God, it needs to be removed from your life. Sometimes it's not something that the Bible would call a sin, but it's a, it's a, it's a weight. It says, Paul says, when we run in this race of faith, remove the weights and remove the stumbling blocks. And let God take those things away from you. He said, I will cleanse you from your idols. I will give you a new heart. I will put my spirit within you. I will remove. I will give you a new heart, a new spirit. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. 
I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you. I will, I will, I will take to heart. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart. I will put in, in my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my ways. You will keep my judgments because I will, I will, I will. It is God who works within you to fulfill the things that he's asked you to do. It is the Lord's spirit. He says if we walk by the spirit, then we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If we walk by the spirit, because where the spirit of the Lord is, there lies the freedom. It's the spirit of God. It is the spirit of God. The atmosphere and getting into this into the presence of God. That's where the joy is. It's a pleasure to serve God. Am I right, Sister Georgia? It's a pleasure to serve God when the Spirit of God is moving in your life. He is causing you. All of these things, the Spirit of God will, ca- will cause you to be washed from your, from your filthiness. He will put a new heart inside of you. He will take out your heart of stone. And, you, and it's not a one-time thing, believe me, because you can go outside and, 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 and there's some people out there that can get on your nerves so bad your heart turns right back into stone. But you got to go right back to Jesus. He's got to soften that heart one more time. One more time. You just got to keep on coming. You just, it's, this is a continual relationship as though you had a relationship with a spouse or a husband or someone who you deeply and passionately love. It's, it's a fight even in a marriage to stay intimate in it and to stay close because there's always something to try to get in between you and your God. But I'm telling you, if you keep on coming, praise God, he'll keep on working and he keep on forgiving. He'll keep on turning that heart of yours back to his. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John 8, 31, I'm close to wrapping up here. John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus is talking, and he says to those Jews, or to you, or to me, he's given us right here. Right here lies a spiritual truth and concept. He's saying to, the, to the, the believers that believed in him, you and I, he's talking to us. If, notice the if, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples. If you're not abiding in his word, you are not behaving like a disciple. And to abide, that word means to live there. It means that you have parked your car in his word. You got out. You made your house on the rock of his word. And if you abide in his word, then you will be a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
and to abide in his word. It means you pray when you open up scripture or your favorite devotion or your daily bread or whatever it is that you love to read about scripture. When you open it up and you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, teach me what I need to, to hear. And if there's a block in your mind, keep praying. Keep praying. The Spirit of God will come and he'll remove that. He'll remove that and then he'll speak to you. It may take a little longer depending on how your bad your day went. But he'll, he will come. He's faithful to come and teach you his word. But he said, if you abide in my word, you will be my disciples. And you'll be my disciples indeed. And, the, and they go together. I love reading scripture like uh, but the Prince of Preacher, Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, can take like half a scripture and preach for like a week. There's so much content in one passage, one word out of God's mouth is like an entire sermon. One word. Think about it. He said, let there be light. That's all he said. And there's a son. Don't rush when you, when, when you study scripture. Let the Holy Spirit teach. He says, if you abide in my word, you will be my disciples indeed. And then only will you know the truth. The only way you're going to know this truth if you abide in the word. If you abide in my word, you will be my disciples. And then you will know the truth and you will understand the truth. And that truth that you understand, it will make you free. The truth of God's word, as you abide in it, it will, it will begin to make you a free man, a free woman. And it is for freedom that he made you free. God does not want his children bound in chains, but he wants you to be free. Because if you're free, if you're free, then you will be happy. If you're free, then you will be an influence. If you're free, you will be able to set other people free. If we abide in his word, then we will know the truth. The truth that we know, we will be free. And I wrote this note, to the extent that you know the truth of God's word, that will be the extent of your freedom. If you only understand and know minimum, your freedom will be that minimum. But I tell you, if you abide in his word, if his word abides in you, then you will begin to know the truth. And that truth will begin to do a revolutionary thing inside of your soul. You will begin to know the deep concepts of God in such a way it will feel like you can walk on water. You might just do it. Peter said, Lord, if you let me, if you just say it, I can do it. 
He was willing to try it. So Jesus says, well, come on, Peter. And when Jesus said to come, then Peter began to walk on the word, come. He walked on C O M. He's walking on the word of the living God. He's walking on impossibilities. The things that are impossible, man, are possible with God. We, we have not, I have not entered into the realms that God offers us. Are you satisfied where you are? I'm telling you that God is challenging us. I believe the best is yet to come. I believe that there is a greater awakening for the church of God. Heaven, I heard one uh, worshiper say that uh, he believed, maybe by the spirit, maybe by his mind, but it still sounded good, that as we, as we are in heaven, and then God, we see God for what he is, and that we wor- as we're worshiping him, because God inhabits eternity, if you can think about that. He inhabits, he fills eternity. The glory of his robe fills the temple. And that as we get to this wonderful experience with God, and then God says, you haven't seen nothing yet. And then he shows us another realm of his glory. And he said, if you think that's something, you have seen nothing yet. And then he reveals another part of his glory. Moses had such a desire to see. He said, Lord, I, I, I got to see more of you. I want to see. He said, okay, I'll let you, I'll let you see my, my robe as I pass by you. Moses got finished looking at God, and he came down off the mountain, and his face was shining. Glory be to God. As you begin to enter into the realms and the depths of God, your soul will begin to shine. Jesus said, I want you to be salt and I want you to be light to this world. You should be a city on a hill beaming with my glory and my light. And then you will see souls saved. And then people will ask of a hope that they see inside of you. What is it inside of you that's glowing like that? Why is it that you have the ability to shine in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation? And then you can say, because I've been in the presence of a true and a living God. Hallelujah. He was not there when they looked for him on the tomb. Praise God. He was on the, when they thought, they went to weep over his tomb and, and, they, and they went over there and they was, the tomb was empty. And they said, what, why are you seeking the living, uh, the dead among, whatever. He ain't there. He wasn't there. He risen. We serve a risen Savior. There's no reason to be sad. There's no reason to be upset. He is alive. He is alive. He is risen. And he is the king of kings. 
and he is the Lord of Lords. I'm close with this. John 14, 6. Jesus said that I am the way. If you don't know which way to go, all you got to do is go to John 14, 6, because he says, I'm the way. I'll show you the way. If you're confused about which way to go with your life, come to him. He will show you the way, because he is the way. He is the way maker. Then he says something else. He says, I am the truth. Remember, he said, you will know that you will know if you stay in my word. I love this. If you continue in my word, then you will know the truth. You will know Jesus as you continue in his word because he says, I am the truth. You will know me if you continue in my word. And then I, being the truth, I will set you free. I will set you free. I don't know what, what it is that you need to be set free from, but Christ came to set the captive free. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no person will ever get to God except through me. John 8, 36 says this. If the Son of God sets you free, then you will be absolutely free. Free from your past sin. Free from depression. If I set you free, you will be free from the oppression. You will be free from whatever it is that's keeping you from coming to the heart of God. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever the worry is. He said that if I was set, if I'm, if I'm involved in this, if you will involve me into this situation of your life, then I will give you freedom from that situation. Whether it's finances, whether it's bondage, whether it's sin, whether it's some kind of struggle, he said, the keys to your freedom are in my hands. Not therapist, though I like them. Not doctors, though we need them. Christ Jesus is the truth that will set you free. I will finish with a story. Everybody knows, and if you heard the story before, just bear with me. There's a pretty famous guy, a magician, if you will, so he says. Anybody heard of Harry Houdini? Yeah. So Harry Houdini, he did awesome guy, right? So his, his thing was you throw him in any, any prison in a straitjacket and he'd get out. 
Not only would he get out, he'd, he'd open up the other uh, jail cells and let the prisoners out. That's how good he was. I mean, any kind of chains and locks and picks and all of these, anything you could tie him up with, he enjoyed because he was just so talented with lock picking and with, uh, you can give him a bobby pin or just a, a, just a small paper clip and he would get out. He was great at it. So one day they, they, brought him, they brought him to England and they put him in this particular jail cell. I think it was Preston, England's jail cell. And they said, you won't get out of this one. So they put him in the jail. He got in there with his coat. He got his pick, his pick out, which they didn't know he had. He had it hidden within his, his uh, pants, right where the belt loop is. He had a coat on, and he started on that lock. He just was laughing because it was a big publicity thing. He starts picking that lock. Man, he's working at it, working at it, working at it. An hour goes by. He starts to sweat. Normally, it don't take him that long. He takes his coat off. He goes back to work, and he's picking that lock. He's becoming frustrated. He's trying this angle. He's trying that angle. He's, 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 he's so frustrated, he begins to speed the sweat. The pressure, his reputation is on the line. And he can't get out of this lock, and he's picking this lock, and it's driving him crazy. He's walking around. He's pacing, and he says, I know I'm better than this, and he's picking this lock, and it's not opening. Four hours later, it's still not opening. And his frustration and his exhaustion, he falls against the jail cell and it opened because it never was locked. Jesus Christ has opened your jail cell. He has made you free. You just read it. The Son has set you free. There is nothing holding you back from being all that God has called you to be but a lie from the enemy. Your, your freedom has already been paid for. Your forgiveness has already been paid for. That door is open. All you have to do is walk out. Father God, I give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor, oh God. For you have set us free, and it's for freedom that you set us free. Oh, God, free people are happy people, liberated you have done. You have paid in your own blood for our freedom. You want us to enjoy the freedom, Lord. You desire us, oh, God, to come as a worship team is coming to be so enraptured and captured with your love that you did everything necessary to allow us to come into your presence. And Lord God, my prayer for us as a body of Christ that we would take this message, oh God, 
that Christ Jesus has come to set the captive free. And that you, Lord God, have purchased our freedom. And that we need not to hold, to hold ourselves captive anymore. It's time that we forgive ourselves for our past mistakes. That door is open. It's time that we forgive others for what they have done. That door is open. It's time that we, Lord God, walk out of this cell and that we would rejoice and that we would sing praise to our God who is worthy to be praised. And Lord God, I thank you, O God, as you have set the captives free, as we go forth into this week, O God, that the power of God and the freedom that which you have authorized us to walk in, that that freedom, that we would rejoice in that freedom, that we would be happy in that freedom, and that we would, Lord God, be so overwhelmed with your goodness towards us, O God, that it would spill out into the community of Juno, that it would spill out into our wives and children, children and our loved ones, that it would spill out to our neighbors, that we could demonstrate the love of God that he has placed within us. So much love, so much love. Oh God, that our cups, like you say, would be running over with the love of God. So full of the spirit, so full, Lord God, that we have to share a glass with our loved ones. And all that we come in contact with this week. Until we meet again, O oh God, I ask that your blessing to be upon your church and upon your people. Saturate them in your presence and in your love. And as we go forth, Lord God, not go forth uh, like anything else, but the warriors and the more than conquerors that we are. And I thank you for your people, God, that you have redeemed with your own blood. And I thank you for the freedom that which you have purchased. In Jesus' name, amen.